Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this episode is one of our deep dives. We're going to be diving deep into Star Wars on the page, books, comics, comic strips, what makes them work for us, what makes them feel like Star Wars, and we're going to work through our feelings when we're challenged. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsuck, and I am challenged today. This is going to be a fun adventure for me personally, (laughs) and hopefully the Force Center listeners will follow my journey. 
Excellent. I, I love it when we can be, uh, both celebrate and work through the challenges. Uh, yeah. But before we get through uh, through working through our challenges, uh, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, this week, we are continuing to recommend Bloodline by Claudia Gray. We're recommending it in our episode where we're talking about books, so you know that we like that one. Uh, today, Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. And Ken, we have another offer, right? We do indeed. Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, is offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. To get your discount, enter the coupon code FC35 or visit the website with this link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, The Lightsaber Collection. Check it out with the code FC35. Get that book, and if you don't already have it, that was just a great book, a collection of lightsabers all through the Star Wars saga and galaxy. It is a beautiful book. You put that on your coffee table, people are going to come over, friends and neighbors, family, and they're going to be impressed. They're going to be impressed by you. It's such a beautiful book, and I love it. Yeah, take the lightsaber collection book challenge, which is can you flip each page without making a lightsaber igniting noise every time you turn a page? I personally cannot. I uh, I don't think I can now. I'm going to try that. What is that noise, says our partners from the other room. Uh, Anyway, we're going to dive into our main topic here, Star Wars on the page. There is just a huge amount of Star Wars storytelling that exists on the page. Between books and comics, there are just decades of stories, right? Everything from Jackson to Mara Jade to Aphra to Ray Carson. Tons of new characters and worlds are created on the page as well as many, many stories starring our on-screen friends that we know quite well, uh, but we get to know even better on page. Uh, and for different fans, I think some Star Wars sings on the page and some, like we were saying up top, is really challenging. And we're going to try to dive into uh, what uh, sings and what challenges us and why. So, Ken, I want to start just big picture. When you enjoy Star Wars books or comics, what do you think makes you enjoy them? Is it because they're a little closer to simulating the experience of seeing a Star Wars film, or is it something else that makes you truly enjoy them? I think it is, for me, when it when it picks a, a smaller corner of the galaxy, not in terms of story, but just a planet, a character, a storyline, something there, something a little off to the side, uh, and, and it just pulls me in and just makes the galaxy bigger by being, if you will, a smaller, little focused story. Uh, I think that's when I get the most enjoyment out of it. All elements of Star Wars uh, can be in there, whether it be a, a slower paced story, a whiz bang story. Almost that doesn't necessarily matter. It's just when I I get to focus in on a little a little question I may have had, a little question the galaxy or the fandom may have had, and then that's uh, that's where I get the most uh, joy and excitement and fulfillment maybe out of these stories. Okay, so you really like it when you walk away and say, "I always kind of wondered about that," either a, a particular thing or a, a, could be a planet or whatever and right. that's what engages you in, in a in a big general sense yeah and we're going to find it find a little more details maybe along the way in this story for me uh in, in this discussion for me but yeah i think particularly on the comic side the books the books i can be a little different but even then when i think about it even say a novelization of a movie it's usually a smaller thing i pick up on and really love the book for yeah, and that really sticks with you as some little bit of connective tissue or some idea that like, ooh, that makes sense and that makes it richer when you watch the movie again. Correct. 
Yeah, I think for me, it's a, a, a ton of different bullet points as I try to to walk through what makes it sing. I think there's a part of me that just wants some sense of a Star Wars experience. I don't want to read a book or a comic like I'm seeing a movie because I think the strength is that they can do different things. But I want to feel some of the same things that I feel when I watch uh, a movie. And I think uh, for me, that's a couple different things. Uh, one is exactly what you were saying is that they provide insight into a part of Star Wars I already know. That you like take something that I'm already invested in and engaged by and excited by and then reveal it in a different way. And that could be anything from a character I already know, um, an era I already know, a planet, uh, or even just like a philosophy of just, you know, yeah. um, Lords of the Sith is really fun, a uh, great book. Uh, and it's obviously characters we know, but it's also just like that idea of we're going to really spend a lot of time with people who are totally consumed by the dark sides. So we're spending time with that philosophy. So anything mm -hmm. that takes something I know uh, a little bit and then exactly what you're saying gets to explore new ideas of this old known thing. Um, I think for me, there's also a, a pacing thing. I don't need there to be like big galactic stakes, but I think when I really in, am in love with a book or a comic, there's a sense of adventure and forward movement to it and even if it's a smaller character based thing uh, it's not even about like the stakes it's more about that pacing of a little bit of that that thrill of feeling like i can't wait to turn the next page and obviously any good book you can't wait to turn the next page but a little bit of that the character mm -hmm. is wrestling with something or you don't know what's going to happen next and you get to the last sentence in the chapter or the last page of the comic and there's a, a almost a sense of cliffhanger so it's mm -hmm. got that real sense of forward movement and pacing to me, I think even in an introspective story, uh, that's yeah. always going to be important. Like one of the th ones I really hold up as a great example of doing that is uh, Queen's Shadow, the first uh, Padme book, mm. is there aren't huge galactic stakes. That's It's the character that yeah. we're learning more about. But even within that, there's a real page turning what's going to happen next for Padme uh, vibe. Mm. And that's really important to me. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, that that. It's funny, yeah. You even made the reference. It's like, yeah, that's what a good book will do. But yeah, it's important. And and being the balance between being super familiar with stuff in the books versus give me something completely brand new is is sometimes um, could be a challenge. But it's often when when uh, when it pulls me in the most. Uh, we can talk a little bit later. But like the the Phasma book is the weirdest example for me of a book because i think we were doing a little less uh, you know reviews I, in the four center history weren't necessarily wasn't a guarantee we we're going to review all the books right right and that phasma might have been the one where i almost was like i'm gonna put this down and maybe tap out on this one and then i couldn't and i'm glad i didn't because it was one of the more rewarding experiences in the end because uh, it was so familiar because of a name and a time period I was getting to know. And it was so out there and it ended up being what I loved about it. So that can pull you into. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Phasma is a great example of the other thing that I think makes a Star Wars uh, story on the page sing for me is that I think there's a, a sense of pacing like an adventure serial, a sense of, mm -hmm. of the, the new and the old mixed together. But I think I want to feel some of the, tensions that make star wars fascinating um mm. i go on about the absurd and the profound you know and, and i think by that i mean like there are deep mythic themes but then there are also like weird creatures and strange environments like i want to have that sense of these are relatable characters who have emotions that i recognize and empathize with but they are in a fantastic world that is very different than mine and i think that's what phasma did really really well of 
even for Star Wars, most of that book is taking place in this weird world that's knows of technology, but has lost it. So it is like pre-industrial and has mm. these different, you know, um, life views because of it. So it's really getting back to that sense of uh, a little bit of the fantastic, the pulpy of like, this is a strange world and you can't get this anywhere else because it's a strange star Wars world. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. See the journey of my mind begins. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> thing for me is too, is like throw around new and old. And, and mm-hmm. I think a part of what has always captured my imagination about star Wars is just the, uh, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, that sense of being tied to the very, very ancient. And I realize a lot of passages that my mind gravitates to like, I love hearing about the politics of the empire, the first order and all these like very uh, kind of, Oh, now this person uh, fills out some information on a data pad, which is an iPad. And then they drink coffee, which is or calf, which is coffee. And then they go to the refresher, which is the bathroom. It can feel like really relatable in real world. And the moments that stick out to me is when those characters discover something ancient and unknowable, like a weird temple. So that Mm. when you're in the world of star Wars, at any moment you could discover something just ancient and mysterious and weird that's what makes it still feel like star wars to me yeah no you're not you're, you're definitely not wrong it's your own opinion but too <laughs> um yeah that yeah there's something about that too there's uh, a lot of these books seem to have a real big just sense of exploration not just exploration not expiration exploration in terms of uh not just things you're talking about, but just the heart and minds of these characters. And that comes with it. It's new, new territory for them in many different ways. I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Excellent. So now that we have laid a little bit of groundwork uh, for ourselves Mm. (laughs) Mm. uh, and each other and the listeners about what we do respond to, what makes uh, Star Wars on the page sing, let's talk about challenges. Uh, Here we can get into maybe some Star Wars counseling, Ken. (laughs) Yeah, no. So here's the thing. And I don't know if I've made any sense yet this episode. And here's why Uh, I, want this to be the thing anyone listening pulls out of this conversation from me. I love any new star Wars story, book, movie, comic book, animated show, cartoon. uh, Doesn't matter. Uh, It's short uh, star Wars kids, short, a game show. Love. I love this era we're in. So that never goes away for me. I have found more along the way some challenges with the comic books that I, I you know, I think we've hinted at here or been honest, but also we, you know, listeners will know we don't cover them as much. Sometimes it's just the logistics of reading them. I still like to go to my shop. I should, I support my, uh, my shop earth Two in Northridge, California. Um, during the pandemic, they were mailing me the comics, but that's six weeks or so. I'd get a big stack of comics in the mail. So I'm already kind of behind the eight ball of trying to catch up to the, the big news, there was some big news recently that came about that I was trying to get ahead of uh, while still supporting my shop. And I ended up getting getting spoiled. No, 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 no problem. It happens. Um, it was on me to try to get ahead of that tidal wave. I did not. Um, but anyways, all that is Joseph, I love this stuff. And I want that clear on the record. I love this yes. stuff. The comics have pulled me out more often than not over the last year, two, three years even. Uh, and I need to analyze why. And this is one of those four center discussions where I come to you, Joseph, and I go, I, I don't fully know why. I just know I feel this way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's start with the the comics. because Those are the ones that challenge you more. Right. Hundreds. Um, yeah. I think so. I'm not entirely caught up. I have read most of the like um, five issue. You, uh, you can just grab them and read them. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm using uh, my data pad and reading them <laughs> on yeah. Comixology with my calf before I go to the refresher. Um, 
and you know I'm enjoying them. I've read uh, pretty much the entire Star Wars uh, run of the first volume, mm-hmm. uh, the first volume of Darth Vader, the second volume of Darth Vader, uh, <laughs> the first six issues of the third volume of Darth Vader. Uh, it can get uh, confusing to keep track of it all. So I've read quite a lot. For me, uh, a couple things that bump for comics sometimes when I feel challenged. Uh, one is just, I think, a real subjective thing. There's that part in the middle-ish of the first volume of Disney Star Wars um, where the artist uses the photorealistic art style. Right. And, you know, you you can see like, oh, that specific uh, shot of Luke is from this exact frame of Return of the Jedi or whatever, you right, know? Right, right. Uh, that's a thing that just bumps for me. And I think that's a, a big thing with, with comic books is the art styles change a ton. Yeah. And... It's it, it leaves you even more open to subjectivity, right? Yes. So how often for you is it that you'll be really into a comic and then the art style will change and it takes you out of it or, or makes you feel not as connected to it because it is just, uh, there's a huge difference when you're looking at something aesthetically that just pulls you in and it's not just the story and the characters, it's that you are loving existing in this world full of these kinds of lines. And those lines go away in lines that feel kind of abrasive. Do you show up? Yeah, there's there's something to that there. I don't know if it's 100% the same. So allow me to work through it there of comic books. And, and I love the effort. And this, by the way, you know, I got back into comics in 2013 in a big way. And it was the Star Wars Dark Horse stuff that pulled me in. Not even what was inside the pages, but I was uh, uh, producing a little uh show with our friend uh, Tiffany Smith uh, on her YouTube channel called Stacked and I'd go over to her house with the cameras and she'd have a bunch of a stack of comics and and I saw some of the Star Wars ones and I just felt kind of left out away I was like I went in on that and I started going back to the comic shop hadn't been since the 80s <laughs> and wow and back in so I don't just read Star Wars comics big fan of saga uh, sex criminals uh popped in mind uh, there's several of them. and I like a lot of there's uh, actually a bunch of good James Bond ones I love I'm all in. So I'm not just here for Star Wars stuff, but yeah, um, some of the designs, some of the, the concepts in Star Wars comics are comic booky in the best way possible. But sometimes I think some of the designs and the choices made by the, the those making them just pull me out because it just doesn't feel like anything I've seen in Star Wars before, which isn't, you know, you, you don't want to have that attitude because you want something new in Star Wars. But I can't help but it just like ah, it just feels like I'm reading some superhero comic book from the '80s. That's not a slide in superhero comic. It just does. It doesn't feel Star Wars to me. Which is this big generic. Doesn't feel Star Wars. It's frustrating to the creators because what does it's subjective, like you just said, and that's where it starts. So I think it's something similar to what you're saying, sir. But that really makes a lot of sense because we do all have our own totally subjective. Uh, we can we can write essays and and uh, verbal essays that we do on on Star Wars podcasts about what makes something more or less Star Wars in a certain way. But uh, but it is ultimately subjective. A lot of times in our experience seems tied to what did you first get introduced to Star Wars through you know helps you uh decide for yourself what feels like star wars but i think it's something powerful in the in the comics that there's an extra layer of aesthetic subjectivity that is the art and either it feels like star wars to you or it doesn't and that that's a pretty powerful thing i think the other thing for me uh that has been a an obstacle is i haven't read anything that i'm like that didn't happen i don't like that uh for myself in in any of the Mm -hmm. comics 
but I think I have a little resistance and, and you and I were talking about it off air and it helped me crystallize what it is. I don't want every story of Luke and Leia and Han filled in because I see them as very real, you know, humans with relatable emotions, but also kind of mythic figures. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want to feel like I know what they did every second between the classic trilogy films. Like I always mm-hmm. want there to, I want 200 years from now <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, when storytellers are beaming the stories directly into one another's brains. I want there to still be room to go like, Hey, did you know Luke had this random adventure at mm-hmm. this time in between uh, a new hope and empire? And, uh, this is my own baggage. Sometimes the Star Wars ones in particular, the main line can feel like we are filling in the map. And mm-hmm. Star Wars to me is a little bit of that sense of the boundless. There are, there are more systems. There are more stars than anyone could ever visit just in this galaxy, right? And the, yeah. the force is so large. You can study it. You can be one with it. You can never entirely know it. And that side of Star Wars, mm-hmm. that it is an, uh, an open door to adventure, I don't ever like the feeling that that's, you know, closing. And this is clearly me bringing what I love about Star Wars and my baggage to uh, really following beat by beat moments of uh, Luke and Han and Leia. Yeah, I, I'm right. I'm right there with you on that. We're on the same page of that. And and and, and again, this is um, and I hope people are listening to this episode here, especially longtime Force Center fans. Uh, this is probably one of them. We always have honest discussions, but this is probably one of the more raw discussions i think I'll, I'll ever have here of just like let i don't fully understand i just know i sometimes look at a page and go not for me and which is number one okay because you can look that uh, you can have that reaction to a movie a tv show anything in star wars but i i really do want to know why because at the end of the day i'm glad it's there because it's star wars but and, and a lot of what you're talking about is there i i have had a couple of moments reading star wars comics over the last five six years and just gone nope didn't happen <laughs> Rumble it you up, have, throw it away. Didn't happen. You, you have, if if I remember correctly, you have had some strong reactions to some of what I would describe as the the more pulpy or over the top things, right? Yes. Like, um, yes, the, it's the, the screaming Citadel crossover that has. I, I remember you saying like, eh, there's space vampires, right? <laughs> oof, oof. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one particularly comes to mind. And if yeah, again, if you're listening and you love it, if Joseph, you love it. I got no, I got no quarrel here. I just, I just closed the pages of that book and went, oh, that was fun. What's for dinner? Let's move on. Right, right. This is, this is not, we are not putting up a billboard uh, saying, yeah. please take this story or that story out of canon or this artist shouldn't. It's yep. totally subjective. No hashtags um, coming from me. No screaming. No hashtags. Citadel hashtags. Yeah. But let me, uh, yeah. So, so when you told me, I was like, oh boy, let's, let's buckle mm-hmm. up. Um, yeah. And yeah, they and it didn't bother me. Um, mm-hmm. But I understood where you were coming from. And I wonder if part of it is, you know, Star Wars has lots of elements to it, uh, including that real mashup of the, like, over-the-top pulpy mm-hmm. that can kind of take you out of it and go like, oh, yeah, no, this is this thing that's really just just playing with all these genres and mashing them up, like, right, uh, right. like action figures out of, out of a bucket that don't even go together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes right. Star Wars feels like you're playing G.I. Joe with Skeletor, <laughs> with an Ugnaught, and you're just mashing them all together? That's what, that's what we're doing here? Which um, we had talked about. Me on the playground was like, uh, nope, that doesn't happen. We can't play that way. <laughs> right. But I wonder if it's because it's on the page and if something like vampire, vampirism, you know, Mm-hmm. which can be seen as more pulpy, you know, something straight out of a, a Marvel comic from the 70s. 
you're seeing that on the page without any of the other elements of Star Wars to integrate it into the world of Star Wars. And I wonder if you saw vampires in a movie, space vampires in a movie with the actor's emotions, mm-hmm. with the music, with the sound effects, if it would blend those pulpy elements more into the Star Wars you know and love. I think you're right. And I think that's a path I'd follow in trying to research this inside my own heart and soul here. Clone Wars, Clone Wars Report, you and I are diving in. I remember not being a huge fan of the Zillow Beast arc. And you, you and I went into it, and with the new lens, I was like, oh, God, this is one of some of my favorite stuff. And a lot of it, because it's it's moving, it has life. And the books, we're going to talk about the books. I have way less challenges in the books. I love what's going on in the books. Even some of the uh, books that don't grab me as much as others, I still, I'm still there for them. The comics, I think you might be hitting on something right. It's just on the page. And the art is great, and there's so many talented writers behind them. There's no, I got no, no quarrel there with any of those folks. I just, yeah, uh, the Screaming Citadel one specifically, just it, 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 it falls a little flat for me. It is flat. I mean, almost like literally on a page, flat. <laughs> I think you're right. I'm not saying any need, uh, you know, Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford walking around possessed. I mean, I got to see that in Temple of Doom, I guess, with Harrison Ford, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, 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 but you're right. It would, it's a, it's a difference between telling me, or better yet, having Bob Iger stand on a stage and go, guess what? In solo, a Star Wars story, we're going to find out how he got his name. And me on a show going, oh God, I hope he doesn't get his name from an Imperial. And then (laughs) it happens. And I go, that's one of my favorite moments. Right. It's the acting, it's Alden's eyes, it's everything about it. And I, I just effing love that moment. Yeah, so I think you might be right. Comics, it's uh, it's me squeezing a comic read in between sips of coffee on a busy Monday morning or something like that. I'm not spending as much time with it. I'm not as focused, and it's just on the page, and vampire-possessed Han doesn't grab me. Yeah, and I think for me, is is I was a big comic book reader and collector in the 80s and the early 90s, and then uh, I walked away from it uh, partially because of the amount of money it cost and partially because of how interconnected uh, things started to get. And there was a, a huge uh, shift in, in aesthetic, and a lot of the artists yeah. that I liked weren't around as much, and there was like a new wave and all these things. Uh, so for me, I've really come back to comics uh with the Star Wars comics and there is this huge shift in the amount of story that's told in a comic book. Mm. And that's part of the reason that I sometimes wait until uh, I have a trade paperback. I experimented with getting uh, monthly issues uh, for the high Republic. And at Mm. first I was like, yeah, this is so great. I'm going to read them with everybody else. And now I've got a couple uh, uh, issues piled up because I like reading it more. Yeah, Yeah. Getting more of the story. And I think it really does change how you feel about the story. Yeah. If you're only reading a little bit out of time or if you get a little bit more of like, hey, if it's a, a six issue arc, if you sit down and read the whole arc and you get the beginning and middle and end, I think for me, I can digest and enjoy the story much more. Yeah. Yeah. There's some look. It's just I, I've I've even in any uh, the other comic like Saga is, is a saga that's gone on, you know, or went on for years. And they would take little breaks here and there. And I just remember I pick up an issue and be like, I don't know who any of these characters are. <laughs> I had to go back and kind of refresh and, and the, and the Star Wars comics that do a good job to try to set you up uh, beforehand, you know, like any, any project, but I think there's something there. Yeah. There is a, uh, piece by piece, month by month or week by week. Sometimes I, I, the impact is lost on me a little bit. And then, again, this is all personal stuff, right? This is part of this discussion. Yeah. And absolutely. We're going to talk about uh, some of the books and comics. We love books. We've talked about a lot that we haven't talked as much about comics. Like you're saying, uh, and there are some comics I love. I, I had one of my, uh, had to have a day 
fully exhausted because I couldn't stop reading. I, I bought the entire Poe Dameron run. And mm-hmm. I think I read it in two nights and got no sleep because it's like, I, I can't stop. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, so there, there's a ton of stuff that, that we do love that we're going to talk about. Uh, let's talk about being challenged by the books. You say you're less challenged by the books, but when you are, what is it that challenges you? What makes it feel like this is Star Wars? I know it, but it's not singing on the page for me. Yeah, it's it's when it's a little outside the norm, a little smaller characters. And it's, I think... Um, it's funny. I'm not. This is so. Delilah S. Dawson is a great author. I, so I want to make sure I love her stuff. But both Phasma and Black Spire, the Black Spire one, started out when I was struggling with a little bit, and it was because the Phasma one started. It's almost like you're watching Mad Max or reading Mad Max, um, and I was just a little lost. And and also, mind mind you, this is a few years ago, Last Jedi era, and I just was hungry for a phasma story that continues or figure, you know, give, give me the, give me this character. I love on a star destroyer bridge. And it was more of this really different organic, uh, narrative, uh, uh origin story. Yeah. With some so, great themes about, uh, unreliable narrators. Cause it's told to us yeah. by kind of layers and layers of narrators. Yeah. So it touches into that mythic of how much of this is really true. Right. And so I love Cardinal. You love Cardinal. I, I love Vibram. Yeah. Uh, I love those characters, but I remember at the time reading them going, well, who, who are, they? where's Poe? <laughs> Again, that's, so that's not her. That's not, that's all me. But then, then that, that book turned around and I just absolutely love it. And it wasn't just the answers. There were some fun canon answers to be like, oh, do you, do you know how Phasma got her, uh, you know, armor? It's from Pal- Palpatine's ship. The, 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 yeah, there's those things, but it was just learning so much more about the character uh, that I, I and, and the emotions and themes behind it was it blow, blew my mind. And then the Black Spire one was just like, oh, here we got a commercial for Galaxy's Edge. And there's some, she has a ton of fun with that, Delilah S. Dawson as an author. And then I was like, do I, how much do I love Vi? Uh, how much do I love Cardinal or Archex? Uh, where, where's Poe? I guess just, I just keep yelling, <laughs> where's Poe all my life? And, and at the end of it, just the writing took me over. So I say that to say the challenge is sometimes when it's a little, outside the norm of the saga or maybe even the Skywalker saga that I'm used to, or, or the planets, not just planets. I know, but just the story, the battle of good versus evil when it's a little bit out here and it's a new character and it's a new village and you're taking your time. Outfit squadron is some of that to me where I had to work through. Well, I just, you know, the rebels against the empire. And now I go, this, this guy's, you know, wild larks from the planet home, or as he calls it, you know, all this stuff where I'm just, I have to kind of process. This is very much a me thing. The once I'm on board, the books will continue to reward me. And those two books particularly, I, I really love the black spire one. I think it is, that's an underrated star Wars book. And it, and because yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's got some, it, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk over no, you. No, yeah, no. It's got some deep, deep uh, themes in it, right? For something yeah. that, where you could, in a cynical way, go, "All right, it's an ad for Galaxy's Edge," and like, well, mm. damn. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, some of the more moving stuff. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, and, so, and, and, yeah. I, I don't know if that 100 percent answers you because, but I, I just I'm more in on the books because I know I'm going to have a little bit more time, and I'm not. It's a different, quite frankly, maybe because I'm not seeing. It's all in my brain. You know, I, comics, it's like, here's what, like, I, Queen Trios, uh, which is a, a big character in, in the Star Wars mainline and the Vader line, everything from Show Turin. I liked the character a lot. I liked the storyline a lot. I think it's some powerful stuff. I, I, I've never liked the design of the planet, the, her, anything. I don't know. It just didn't grab me. 
So if, even if you were to take what the actual design was and just describe it on page and then me, I could make it my own thing, I think I'd be more important for that character, if that makes any sense. Basically, what I'm saying is Ken, Ken is dumb and he has to make his own designs on uh, with crayon on paper. Um, but it's not dumb at all. The, the, the design of Star Wars is one of the things that makes it feel totally different from anything else, right? Because it, yeah. it has a unique aesthetic. So if you can make that aesthetic in your mind versus have that aesthetic taken away from you, that makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah, and there's just something about, um, the, the, and again, I really, the Queen Trios character, everything about it, it's pretty damn good stuff. Every time I look at a picture or see the, or read those, it feels Flash Gordon like to me. It, it feels like we're John Cartering from Mars. That's not anything against that movie. I know a lot of people love that movie, or, or the, I, I know the story that goes back uh, a ways. But you know what I mean? Like, it's, so I'm like, I don't know if it's Star Wars. This is different for me. Yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, aesthetics is just maybe one of the biggest things that that we're talking about, because I like all the ideas around um, Shoturn and, and Queen Trios yeah. and, and particularly how that plays into some Leia storytelling. And I think kind of right. one of the big canon moments from that main line mm -hmm. where many of the uh, leadership of the rebellion that, that we know from lots of different places uh, doesn't make it. Like It leads to some great stuff. But, yeah, you can really have those. Can I imagine uh, show uh, Queen Trio's action figure or not? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, and yeah. Anyways, yeah. I, I love, I love the stuff. It just that's that's part of the struggle. Yeah. Yeah, it's part of the struggle. The other thing that that you're talking about with the books is, mm -hmm. I think Star Wars books are really unique because sometimes when you open them, you are immediately greeted by something very familiar that you are excited to read more about, either like a character or a place or a specific idea. And then other times you crack a Star Wars book open, uh, and particularly if you're tired, you're introduced to a character or a place or an idea you don't know. And it is a real uh, eat your vegetables moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then sometimes you realize, wait, these vegetables are the most delicious thing ever. I was a fool to doubt these vegetables <laughs> yeah. when I started, you know, but I think Star Wars is kind of unique because the books are all over the map, right? Uh, some of them are just like, Hey, did you want to go deep inside the mind of, uh, of Obi-Wan Kenobi when he's a teen in master and apprentice? Like I've, I've said myself, master and apprentice is like one of my most favorite reads and difficult for me because I just wanted to stay with Kenobi and Qui-Gon and the other characters were incredibly well written, but I had my, that eat your vegetables moment and it all worked. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite novels, but I had to get past that eat your vegetables because on one side, yeah. the incredibly familiar, and then you got to learn these new things. Uh, great example for that for me. It's funny. They're both Claudia Grace stuff. She serves up a, a great uh, vegetable, a steamed vegetable meal. Uh, <laughs> the, the broccoli I didn't like was Ransom Castrofo in the Bloodline, the Bloodline stuff, where I was just like, "What? I no, just just Leia. <laughs> where's Mon Mothma? Where's Kirksmith? You know, and those characters are, are throughout it. You know, there. But I was just like, "Where's Chancellor Vilchum? <laughs> you know, where's all these things I've seen from Force Awakens?" and who he was as a character, Ransom Castor. I was even like the name. I don't think I publicly said this stuff, but because I didn't need to, by the middle of that book, I, I was all on board because the book, you know, you just, you're forced to slow down and take it all in and analyze it in a different way. I think. Yeah. And that's, I, that's such a great example. Yeah. Cause that character is being introduced and you're like, okay, okay. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Get back to Leia. And then by the time that character pops up again, another place in Canon, like I was fist pumping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Ransom's back. Uh, yeah. Great stuff. Uh, another thing for me, I won't belabor it because we've talked about it before is 
I think this, the Star Wars I love is space fantasy. It isn't straightforward mm-hmm. science fiction. And uh, that, for me, is the, the short way to say I never want to be too far away from the mystical, the strange, the ancient, the silly, mm-hmm. things that fit more under uh, space fantasy. And, like, Alphabet Squadron is always such a great example of, like, this is perfect for me because we spend a, a, a bunch of time with pilots who live in a very, very real, very technical world, right? Um, mm. The realities of flight, the the realities of the limits of their body, uh, figuring out fuel. It, it, it's a very technical science fiction world that pilots live in, but they're constantly encountering weird temples, you know, strange omens, cults. So you get all that fun science fiction flavor for people who like that, but it's still are, is absolutely existing in a world that's never at all far away from the mystical or the strange. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It's because the mystical and strange, I love it. I love it so much. And I, I, I have this natural uh, desire to fight it sometimes. <laughs> You do, you do, all the way back to, I mean, I know you have no problem with it now, but I remember the Phasma name was like, come on. Oh, yeah, the Phasma name drove me crazy. Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, and now it's it's like, a, it's like a wallpaper in a house I've lived in for my whole life. Well, you know, I think maybe that this is, maybe a part of it is, you know, I keep using this term lately of the absurd and the profound, right? Mm-hmm. The, the emotions of who Phasma is and how she was raised and what she means and what she means to Finn. Like, okay, that's deep. That can be profound. Uh, Phasma is a tribute to the old serials of, of Flash Gordon, right? It, it is that flavor. It is the absurd. It is the silly. And I think sometimes, like, you as a as a Star Wars fan, Ken, mm-hmm. you need a little bit of the profound to sink into the absurd before you can accept it. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's a great way to look at it. Absolutely. I love being moved by Star Wars uh, these days now more than ever and perhaps more than I did. But I think I, I, think I always did, especially when we talk about what... what um, what's uh, the EU stuff we'll get to that in a bit but yes i think that's always kind of existed in me yeah yeah all right well so we've really wrestled with some challenges let's go on to uh looking at it from some other perspectives and and see what else we discover mm-hmm. uh, what experiences are that are unique to the medium of comics or books do you enjoy something that maybe the movies can't do particularly with the books it's the slow down aspect of it uh and that'll factor into some of maybe discussions even even uh, later on in this episode but the, the slow down, because I don't want the movies to slow down too much, if you follow me, if you know what I mean. I think last year, all, all the movies might have a little mo- moment of downbeat where, uh, you know, meaning let's reflect, let's go into the cave, let's let y- Yoda talk, let's get our valuable lessons. I don't mean that. I just mean the movies in particular are just this really, you know, compressed experience and compressed part of the story. And I need it to continue. I need the momentum where... Man, I mean, the the E.K. Johnston Padme books are a great example of, I could just listen to Padme having tea with the handmaidens for hours. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want that on screen. And it's just becomes fascinating because I think with the books, it, it takes on more of a, my brain goes a little bit more of an analytical spot now where we, I feel as though these books help, um, uh, help me study Star Wars more. Star Wars, the, the franchise we love, where we'll get to the High Republic stuff, maybe. But Light of the Jedi is totally a totally different experience to me. That 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 reads like a movie, especially the opening sequence, which is like I don't know half the book or whatever it was. Like I'm like, oh gosh, they made a mistake. They should have made this a movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if that's true, but whereas like that, that I don't I know the Padme books aren't for everyone, 
where I, I just can live it. I can't wait for that third one because I just love going through a movie, going to the side of a movie I, I know so well. You know, those prequel movies we know so yeah. well. I mean, I, I think there is are, uh, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of stakes. Uh, things really matter uh, to the characters, to the politics of Naboo. There are stakes in those books, but a lot of the joy is just the world building yeah. of just spending time with Padme and the Handmaidens in this very different, uh, uh, understandable, practical, but still fantastic world. Mm-hmm. And there's, yeah, I would absolutely, if, if, um, if E.K. Johnston and Star Wars just put out uh, Padme's, uh, you know, uh, travel diary, <laughs> right. just, just her thoughts on different planets, going different places, meeting different people, I would, I would absolutely uh, just l- l- delight in that. Yeah, same. And, and again, yeah. we, we know that's not for everyone either, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, the thing that I really love about the books that the movies uh can do but uh, yeah exactly they're different mediums um the fact that we go into a character's head right and mm-hmm. there are all these uh fun interesting details uh i think i use that term tip of the iceberg storytelling a lot that that's really the style of star wars of you know the emotion uh but you don't know all of the different um permutations of it or mm-hmm. all the connections to other things like there are plenty of moments of just great depth in Star Wars on screen, and you know the big picture of what a character is thinking, mm-hmm. but you don't see the rest of that iceberg. In the books, I think, are such a great way to do it with characters we do know and characters we don't know, where we just go deeper, and it makes interesting connections. Uh, it's that detail in Rise of Skywalker novel about Rey not being able to stop herself from just automatically uh, trying to guess how much value, how many portions all the machinery she encounters is right. You know? Mm-hmm. And of course I don't want that in rise of Skywalker when she's wrestling with her anger and cr- <laughs> climbing through the ruins of the death star too. I don't yeah. want her to stop and go, wow, look around and go, wow, Unkar plot would give me a million. Po- I don't want that, but it totally makes sense. It's something that is flitting through the head of this uh, mm-hmm. confused, frustrated person. And like, that's, that's to me, a, a, the kind of detail that is appropriate for a book and, and makes it stronger. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then, so for comics, what do you feel like comics can do that books can't? I, yeah, this is great. Let me, let me, let me try to really find that. Let me, let me, uh, I've, I've written some notes down today. This one, I, I wanted to see where the conversation took me. I think it is where I find the comics fulfill me the most is, is it's, it's not the micro focused inside the thoughts of the characters heads it is the uh, and, and sometimes that's very much there it's the continued adventures that i already kind of love some of the poe stuff pops to mind of just like yeah we didn't especially coming out of force awakens yeah we don't have a lot of poe yet and then we got it here and then just made me love the character even more even some of the weird stuff i've i've joked before maybe even on the jedi alliance days maybe 2014 it's just there's the thing with the egg monsters and all the stuff and kind of the early f- issues and i don't know if i like that i don't know if i like super buff gracchus and everything it, but overall, it doesn't matter because it's they really just have taken this character of Poe and just just gone. Here's some this is this is who he is. And it's a continued adventure. And there's some profound. There it is. The profound comes in a lot of stuff with Leia towards the end. I've talked about it. At 14th issue being one of my most favorite, most powerful pieces of Star Wars story, storytelling. So the comics, when it does it right, it just got its continued adventures or with a, a new character like Afra, It is her adventures and 
I just do love spending time. The comics almost work like that. They're like a friend coming to hang out with you where um, the movies or a book is a party you attend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. The, the, the sort of the pacing and the structure of the stories do make them feel different. Um, I think for me, there's this interesting relationship between the comics and the movies because comic books and movies are both have a hugely visual element of their yeah. storytelling. Uh, but just, there's nothing else in the world to me that is quite like a splash page, right? Of mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. just this big moment of action or, you know, sometimes it even can be just a big emotional moment. That's just kind of uh, there's a reason it's called splash blade splattered yeah. across the, you know, this whole page. And uh, that's one of my moments that I enjoy the comics the most is yeah. when I was a kid in reading comic books and you know i didn't even go to that movies that often and i I didn't have hbo it didn't have movies at my fingertips and and a lot of times comics were my world into anything fantastic or different uh, than the real world um and i would collect the comics and be so invested in the characters but i would just stop you know in mid-read and choose how long i stayed on an image and pour over the image and look at every detail and feel the energy of the character and the movement of the character. And that's the thing I love doing when I'm reading the comics and I'm always reading the comics with a, there's so many I have to get caught up on. It's great that I can read these fast. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when I'm enjoying it. And I so love my moment when I'm just like, but that's beautiful. But there's like eight panels in this one comic that I would love to have a full poster of. Like, let's yeah. stop and let's look at every little detail, you know, every wrinkle of uh, Vader's cape or, you know, every crease in Han's brow or, you know, whatever it is uh, mm-hmm. and really, really appreciate just kind of um, the beauty and the power of an image that is frozen in time in, in a way that we don't get in movies. Like you can pause them, but that's not how most people watch movies. Comics, it's a choose your own adventure about how fast you read them and how much you pour over the images. This is a great point. And this is where the comics do win big for me is often, unfortunately I'll say this, unfortunately often I sit down, maybe it's a, uh, you know, my Saturdays are usually like one of my busier work days. And so, so is my Sunday, but I'll, I'll go, all right, I have 40 minutes for my next podcast recording. Let me, let me get through these star Wars comics. That's not a, it's not fair to the star Wars comics, right? (laughs) It's a reality, but yeah. Reality. And often I flip, I flip, I read, I read, I flip. And I'm like, mentally, what I'm doing is mentally, I'm just waiting to get to the last page where I figure out what happened in the story. (laughs) (laughs) What's on next week's episode. Um, But there are so many times in those comics where you'll turn the page and you're at a splash page or something big. A lot of the stuff, uh, space battles from, you know, an era we know or something where I just go, oh, wow, look at that. And yes, you're right. You get to kind of choose for a moment where like Rise of Skywalker, I I, I still have some folks like I kind of like it. It moves too fast for me. And I'm like, what do you mean moves too fast? Like, what do you come on? But at the same time, it moves very fast. And so there's some some moments where I wish I could have just paused the movie in the theater and been like, look at that. (laughs) <laughs> Look at that. And so you're right. The comics does allow for you to do that in a way that books don't because it's, it's, it's the written word. And I, I do like that about the comics a lot. Yeah. And I think maybe those are the moments where the comics feel like Star Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Lucas has some of those infamous quotes of, you know, the dialogue, especially in the prequel area, that the dialogue is not as important to him. And right, you right. can understand everything with the music and the visuals, right? Uh, there's a component to Star Wars that is extremely 
it's so tip of the iceberg, even the creator has sometimes said, mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't even need the dialogue. You can just get it from the visual story, uh, the music. And mm-hmm. I think some of the comics that I really gravitate toward capture that level of storytelling of like, yes, of course, the words are essential, but the story is is a visual one. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Uh, other thing for me with the, the books and comics, because there's just like such a sheer volume of them, and maybe we'll get there with, uh, with Disney Plus shows, there's a lot of just fun world building and connections that can happen between them all. Like, um, I love that, that uh, I believe, five-issue Lando arc where he is coming across Sith artifacts and going mm-hmm. uh, on the Emperor's ship, right? And going like, why would the Emperor have Sith stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's stuff that could happen in in uh, movies or TV shows, and probably will happen more in TV shows. But but right now, some of that sheer volume of world building of little fun connections that happens in the books and comics is an experience that that we don't get as much in the big movies. Yeah, and it, uh, that Lando series, which was uh, Charles Soule, I do believe, right? It um, is, yeah. Is and that was the first big that that's the first time I really paid attention to the name Charles Soule. I was that issue. And, and there, there, there's some great stuff in there. And there's also some weird, like what are the, those Panther sibling characters and stuff like oh, that? Yeah. I forgot about them, which I would say normally that's something I, I personally would fight against as uh, what is this? 1979 Marvel. Like, what are we doing here? Jackson around the corner. Uh, there we go. But then that the profound really does emerge with that. So you've given me some food for thought then Joseph, I just got to be patient and wait for the profound to hit me. Yeah, just find out what the what the Panther siblings are all about. <laughs> yeah, there's some depth to those Panther siblings, maybe. Uh, so we talked about this a little bit, but I, I want to get your take on it. Uh, books obviously give us much greater access to the character, right? Uh, mm. We go into the character's mind, so we hear lots of details. Everything from you know uh, analyzing uh, ship parts to the food choices, the, whether or not a certain ration upsets their stomach, <laughs> to deep mm-hmm. inner monologues about their feelings. It's so much more information uh, than we get in in films that I think sometimes it can strain that relationship that Star Wars has between the realistic and the romantic. How, how does this difference from the whiz-bang movement of the films and the utter depth of, of realism, how does that affect your experience? So somewhere around late 2015-ish range, I can't exactly remember, I started to take in the Star Wars books a little, little differently. And it took a while. The Phasma book comes back again. That comes that's a little bit later after that time period. And I had to kind of maybe recalibrate or just remind myself about that. But I, I go, I go to A New Dawn, which is the first book out. And I didn't like it. And I'm on record as saying I didn't like it. I'm on record as saying that book, you want to fall asleep, read it. And I wish I could take that all back. I wish I could. Jonathan uh, Jackson Miller wrote it. Uh, it gave uh, us Ray Sloan. Um, the early moments of uh, Kanan and Hera and our first look into the galaxy. And I think looking back, the reason was, I think around that time, so she again, it's the first book out in this new era. We haven't even got Rebels yet. This is the thing that leads to Rebels. I wanted what you're describing. The whiz-bang, Star Wars-y, give me, give me, give me the excitement and war and lightsabers and all this stuff. And instead we got something that was a character study. It was a world building. It was big state of the galaxy stuff. The main villain was, you know, an accountant gone crazy, you know, (laughs) and wasn't ready for that. I want to revisit that book. I I wish I could take back a lot of the more snarkier things I I said on air during that time back in the Jedi Alliance days. And, hey, you know, it was a simpler time. We didn't know the wars of Star Wars fandom that were coming. Right. Uh, But also, as we've talked a lot about here, 
it's okay for your fandom, the way you appreciate Star Wars, to grow, change, mm-hmm. to mature, but also maybe sometimes to maybe, um, not, I don't say unmature, but uh, allow for the silly, allow for the uh, the, the uh, wild space fantasy stuff to be there. And and I, I was able to start, doing, to start to do that. And, and again, you still have to kind of remind myself. And maybe I fail with the comics. Maybe I've still got some growth in that area. But I just remember around that time going, oh, these books aren't movies. They are building back towards the movies. They're taking a little thing. You want to know more about this character? We're going to give you more of this story. You want a little more depth? Put it in here. And it's its own thing, and it stands on its own. But you want to know a little bit more about Galen and Lyra Ursa? we got a great book about it. And it's about more about politics, middle management, <laughs> the aspirations of uh, leaders uh, on the dark side, all those things. And and that way I started to look at the books. So now I get I get a kick out of something that I probably wouldn't have got a kick out of in 2014. Oh, that's great. You know, and that's kind of where it started. And so that's, um, that's yeah, that's um, that's what the books do for me now. Yeah, I, I think for me, every once in a while, I can feel that strain. Uh, I think partially because of the generation I grew up in. And, you know, the original trilogy is really spare on details. It hints at, mm-hmm. you know, how things work. Like, you know that uh, Luke is a moisture farmer and he works with evaporators, right? But um mm-hmm you're not getting into and, and what is the exchange rate you know are there taxes on the water like you're not getting into the, all those kind of just details right you, mm-hmm, you know you mm-hmm. and in the generation i grew up with and the people i grew up talking on playgrounds and in bars with didn't want those details because they wanted it to be an epic myth right you, yeah. you didn't want to know how much han solo's jacket cost right that was a thing for you to debate you didn't want any details on it right. uh, in the book's can't help but give details because they're plunging into this world and making it very real and sometimes uh i have a little just knee-jerk reaction of like do we need all this information and i'm like yeah because we're spending time with these characters we're making them real you know yeah yeah and it's and it's great if leia has a little headache because she hasn't had calf because <laughs> it's yeah. real and you feel it right you know yeah uh and it makes the character real and it is it, it's one of those things to celebrate that there, these are different mediums, and you should enjoy what the different mediums can do. The yeah. only time it gets a little bit uh, tedious for me is is there are definitely some books, and I can't even think of which ones now. I think honestly, a lot of them are, are short stories from uh, the certain point of view books. If I spend too much time with an imperial or first order character who's uh, filling out forms, <laughs> at, at a certain point I go like, all right, come on, let's get a weird alien's arm chopped off. Let's go at Star Wars. You know, if I just wanted to fill out forms, I can do that myself at the DMV. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, the, from a certain point of view, uh, we, you know, we love them, but also, yeah, we could do another episode just on those. And, and going back a little bit to the realistic, the romantic and, and the balance and, you know, uh, the, the, the Alexander Freed's Rogue One novelization still one of my favorites. We've talked about it a lot here. But the specific scene of, of Jin coming back to Saw's, uh, the partisan base, the fortress there, the difference between the book and movie, I, I, I love them both on, on their own. And I sometimes wish the movie had a little bit, uh, some of the information there from uh, Jin's perspective. But, but I also know it doesn't necessarily fit because it's a different medium. And I'm able to enjoy... Uh, both of them, uh, and, and Jen in the book has a lot more. Hey, where's so and so? Oh, they died. And I have, she hasn't seen these people since she was sixteen, and, and it has a little bit more weight to me. But I don't think the movie needs to stop to 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 really pause with that. You get it from what you're seeing. Yeah, um, it's you know, yeah, different stories for different mediums. You know, the moment that 
sticks in my mind for that whole great Rogue One novelization. Mm-hmm. And it is a moment of realism and a kind of realism that you could kind of show on screen, but it wouldn't be exactly the same. Uh, that really struck me is just the book reminding me on uh, Edu how mm-hmm. tall that ladder is. Yeah. <laughs> that she climbs to get to her father. Right. Yeah. And just it, 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 Alexander Fried is great at writing pain. You know, if I'm ever in pain, I'm just going to ask Alexander Fried to write out my feelings and it'll help me process them because he's <laughs> so good at writing stress and pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just took a moment that in the movie is as it should be. It's it's got heart, it's got emotion, but it's an action adventure serial. It's a it's the hero of the movie uh, climbing to a high place, like heroes yeah. <laughs> in movies do. Yeah. And in the book, it is you know uh, a daughter desperate uh, to connect with her father, uh, doing something incredibly painful and and almost slipping, almost falling, and just bones aching, and only only her soul keeping her going because her mm-hmm. body's failing her on that tall tall ladder. What a great moment where realism. Uh, helps the romance. Totally. Great example. Yeah. Uh, last question for uh, our first chunk of the podcast here. So both books and comics can tell smaller scale adventures. We've uh, mentioned that a little bit. You mentioned that right away. Not mm-hmm. everything in books and comics is galactic stakes. Not everything can be or should be. Does that affect how much you enjoy them? Uh, it does. I don't have a, a set uh, guideline for them to follow here. Aren't you lucky, Star Wars creators? You don't have to follow Ken's guidelines here. Um, <laughs> sometimes they work for me in a, 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 either direction. Now, sometimes the comics maybe maybe rubs up against me a little bit the wrong way if it is a comic dealing with a comic book, uh, not a stand-up comic, a comic book <laughs> dealing with a big Star Wars adventure or story or what's plugged into the bigger picture. And then I'm like, it's almost like not the comic's fault. <laughs> it's like, it's like, man, you're a, you're in a tidal wave right now. And you're, you're, you're a splash page against uh, an entire film. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> um, can't hold that against the comic. But anyways, I, I, gen- I generally, again, cause you just, the pressure's off a little bit. We can have a, a time to have Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon talk about their strained relationship during the training. And, Palpatine isn't waiting to kill them. <laughs> and uh, I mean, maybe in a way he is, but you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, that's just, it's just, it's real on a simple level for me. That's, that's why in the, in um, it's okay. The smaller scales, I just almost seem to enjoy more in those meetings. Yeah. I think I, I really enjoy the, the smaller scales. I, I, I'm one of the people, and I know you are too. It's like, I know some people had reaction to solo of like, well, what was really at stake here? You know, what would have happened if he failed? You know, mm-hmm. um, and I understand that for the screen, sometimes people want the big stories. I think sometimes with the books and comics, we're dealing with characters where, yeah, this person can have an adventure, but they can't have this big epiphany because that's going to happen in the film, right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, th- there definitely is an acceptance of that. But I think for me, it's part of what makes them sing. Uh, like mm-hmm. I already mentioned, uh, I love uh, both Queen's Shadow and Queen's Peril. And you know, Queen's Shadow in particular, I don't think the the stakes are huge for the big whiz-bang adventure, uh, but they are huge for Padme and who she is as a character, and I really love that. And I also just think that's one of the strengths that I wouldn't mind seeing the comics lean into a little bit more of being able to be these just one-shot character things. Like the main line with Vader and the main line with Star Wars, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to tell 
you know, adventures that affect our main characters and right. sometimes going to have some big canon revelations and some big canon connections. And Luke and Vader you met uh, a lot of times and all that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, but then there are some, uh, the, uh, I haven't read all of them, but the, the age of comics from a couple years back, mm-hmm. uh, I just want to give a shout out to, um, the, in the age of Republic, the grievous one has just really been sticking with me. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, full honesty, I'm friends with Jody Hauser, the writer, and she's a, a great person and a great friend. Uh, but I would have loved this anyway. It's just it, it, the grievous is just this one shot that's just total character thing. It doesn't affect canon. It's no big mm-hmm. revelation. It's just a quick visual character study, and mm-hmm. almost because of that, because it's so minimal it's stuck with me more than some of the like big arcs in the mainline have because it's so simple it's so much about the character it's not about the grand adventure yeah those age one age of ones are a great example i i didn't know what to think of that series when it was being announced and advertised and man it just was really good it was these little uh, little think pieces on the characters it was really great and jody hauser wrote a ton of just she's i still do think one of the best star wars writers out there uh, I really do mean that. I, I I've met her a few times, and I haven't. I've I've had to make sure I don't fanboy because <laughs> I just want to be like, hi, hey, oh, hey, Jody, I'm friends with Joseph, and, and you wrote this great story about Qui Gon. Um, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I. But it worked. But that's a great example, Joseph, because it was like Qui Gon, and it was like here's a think piece on Qui Gon. <laughs> Yep, exactly. It's just a little character study of it. It's not like, in, in, and that's why he decided to braid his hair. You know, it's not trying to give you answers. It's just yeah. studying the character. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Excellent. With that, we are going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to discuss more about Star Wars on the page. Would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. And we are back to finish our discussion of Star Wars on the page. What sings, what challenges us. Uh, we went through a lot of the kind of big picture stuff, and now we're going to talk some details. Ken, I want to talk early memories. Let's go deep into our psychology. What are your earliest memories of experiencing Star Wars on the page? How, how were you formed as, a, as yeah. a Star Wars reader? Did you read books, comics, uh, storybooks? What was it you first experienced? That thing that lives on the screen is also on the page? So here in the therapy, we're in the throes of it now. <laughs> uh, and I know I've mentioned this some sometimes before, especially Spotlight Star Wars, where a lot of times just me rambling to a wall here, and hopefully you all uh, can enjoy the, the, the adventure. Uh, the first earliest memories of Star Wars is library books, checking out the, the picture book one of, uh, you know, like uh, not quite the turn the page when R2 chimes. I did have that as well, but like the actual like movie book that a lot of people had as a kid or saw as a kid. And then a uh, one that I've talked about before years ago, and someone actually tracked it down and found it. It's like, it's, it's after new hope. It's like a uh, Luke and Le- Luke, uh, yeah, Luke and Leia might be flirting a little bit and there's uh, they're at the Imperial Academy and it's this, it's this wonky thing. 
So I, that, that's, I'm like seven or eight coming out of seeing Return of the Jedi, just going, what is this wonderful world I want in? And then those, those books come into my mind. So around that time, like a couple years older, Joseph. Yeah. In, in positive memories or were you, did you feel alienated? Like, oh, what are my friends doing on the pages? Positive in the sense of like, oh, wow, this is like a Luke and Lair at the Imperial Academy. And there's like, a, they got to save the day and oh, there's more adventures. Right. So I was craving more. So get a little, get a little bit older. I was, I was a big reader still now, but like I was for a while, I was a smart kid, not so much now, but I was like the second grader with a stack of books and, you know, so go local library, uh, uh, San Luis Obispo County library, uh, in Rio Grande, California, go there. And, uh, they had two of the Lando books. Oh, wow. So I'm like, Oh, I know Lando. It's great. Save the day. I like this guy. One of my favorites, check out the books. And as a lot of people know, it's like, this is Lando in another time. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of now we get these references in solo. And I kind of laugh when I, you know, know Lando Carusian Chronicles and a lot of stuff he's talking about are from these books. Joseph, I I couldn't, I can't explain how more just upset, angry and lost I was. (laughs) Yeah. Endor Han's not around. They're on the Falcon. I know he owned it before. So I was excited to hear that story. And that probably set the tone. To where we even are now, where sometimes in the comics I struggle by going, where's Han? Where's Poe? <laughs> yeah, I think when you really put it that way and put it through the eyes of a kid, that it, there's I'm no other baggage, that. right? It's just, what do I want? What's going to be joyful? And I think I experienced this a little bit too of, uh, I didn't think about it this way. It's just what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. How many of the ingredients do I know can you take out and have it still be Star Wars? And, uh, and that's a big part of what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now then, by then I'm, I'm getting the novelizations and I, I love them. Uh, you, you know, we met, I love the return of the Jedi one more than any, I just, there's some juicy, wonderful details in there. And I still think Owen Lars is his brother on some level in my heart. <laughs> um, so I kind of never opposed it. Love the idea of it. But back then I, I mean, I, I was almost terrified. I was like, who, who is this has said star Wars on the cover. This is not star Wars, mom. Mom, I think we got a defective book. It's, there's not Lando's there, but that's about it. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't just pick up some other thing and it, yeah. it's actually Bando and somebody scratched yeah. it off? Yeah. What is this? Yeah. 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 I remember seeing at a very young age, this is very dreamlike, a comic strip. And, and I'm mm-hmm. sure I could track it down now. And it was Luke having adventures on Tatooine. And I remember being both like, oh, wow, this is Star Wars, but I can like hold it in my hands. But right. then also, it's like, but he's just on Tatooine and like, it looks cool, but what's he going to do? Does he have his lightsaber yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and going through a little bit of that is a kid too, of like how much, you know, I, I need it to be the full experience. Right. Yeah. Um, but then the, the main reading I did is I had that, uh, the star, the storybooks of, uh, mm-hmm. of new hope, you know, wasn't new hope then with star Wars. Um, and I looked at the pictures so much and I still have it in the, it, the spine is gone. It's just like, it's a uh, random strings. I looked at that so much holding those, barely holding those pages together. Um, but as soon as I could read, uh, which I was able to read uh, pretty quickly too. And, and I remember thinking it was going to be like this incredible challenge that I was going to be like, what, what trial am I going to have to go through? What am I going to, and just one day is like, Oh, Hey, if I concentrate on these words, <laughs> mm-hmm. I can stay, see them. Uh, they're read. So enjoyed. Um, the storybook of return of the Jedi in particular was huge. Uh, Cause we, we were able to order it at school 
Uh, and I re- always remember my brother, I don't know why I wasn't at school, but uh, my brother calling me because he got it. And this is way before Return of the Jedi came out. Right. Uh, and just starts, oh, wow. he had read the like first it. half. He's like, okay, Luke Skywalker's a Jedi. <laughs> he wow. saves on Solo. And like, it, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of my story. Yeah, he, he was a total spoiler. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, but I still remember that day, and, and and I don't think I read the whole thing. I think I read, like, half of it, so I was so excited to see uh, Boba Fett fly around yeah. and, you know, fall into a sarlacc. What? Um, yeah. yeah, so I think uh, partially because um, I did spend a lot of time reading the storybooks. Uh, mm-hmm. I read the novelization of Empire, rel- Empire Strikes Back, relatively young, Um I had random comics here and there and I enjoyed them, but they were strange, right? There was yeah. almost a little uh, bit of uh, of uncanny valley of like, it is almost Star Wars, but it's not. And because yeah. I didn't have access to the screen versions, I only had access to these on the page versions. It really emphasized the screen being the gold standard, the thing to dream of someday I'll be able to see it up on the screen again instead of this slight uncanny valley <laughs> version of it. Yeah. Yeah, and that Marvel—I mean, that Marvel run, any anything of that era—it's it's it's a little out there. Looking at you, Jackson, it's it's out there. Oh yeah, and I had—I've mentioned this before. Like, I, I clearly like my father and my grandfather just went to the comic book stand on certain days because some of these comics that are burned in my memory. I I follow this great Twitter feed that shares what comics came out this date, and in certain dates will be like I had all four of those because clearly that's just the day my grandfather went to the comic book shop. Right. And pick those up. And I had the Jackson one forever and it's burned into my mind uh, because I, I didn't collect it. I just that was the random one I had. Uh, yeah. And yeah, you can see like, OK, I, I can't see the movies. Those are inaccessible to me, but I can spend time with this green bunny. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Almost. Uh, see, yeah. Poor, poor Jackson. He was up against just a just a wall of resistance. He didn't have a chance from the beginning for a lot of us. Yeah, now he's just this great uh, underdog, under rabbit, uh, and, and I love him. I love him. So, uh, so I think it sounds like we both had very uh, experiences yeah. of our generation when we first encountered Star Wars on the page. Yeah, yeah, and I'd love to know if and we can get into the, as we roll into the '90s EU stuff and everything. Yeah, but like I would you know, now, I can't wait to hear some stories because it might be it might be the same, but it might be entirely different. When you're like, oh, I loved Rebels, and then there was the New Dawn, and that was the that's where they met, and yeah, I, I would love five, six, ten years from now, want to hear those stories. That'd be fascinating. Oh yeah, yeah. It, well, it seems to me that just so many people we get to hear from of a lot of times, like, hey, I like the movies; they're great. <laughs> yeah. I realize they're the primary source, but for me, Star Wars is the books because that's where I started. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and people have really different relationships based on. Uh, when they grew up and what they encountered. And, and that's part of the reason I like <laughs> going full Star Wars uh, therapy and talking yeah. about the, the roots of our feelings because it's really interesting that you and I mm-hmm. both started with a fascination, a joy, but also sometimes a resistance, which really explains some of the things that we were saying in the first half of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's get into the, the good old 90s then. So uh, we both had some journeys with the Star Wars uh, mm-hmm. EU novels and comics as they're, as they're known now. Uh, what worked for you and didn't, neither of us got all the way hooked and read every book or collected every comic. So yeah. why not? Why didn't you get hooked? Oh, the dream of the 90s is alive in Portland. Here we go. Um, <laughs> so I started, like everyone, I mean, 
Air of the Empire, that whole series, uh, Dark Force Rising, Last Command. I mean, come on, that just pulled me in. And even though those books over the over time, and probably sooner than I would have cared to admit back then, over time just did not stand up for me as much. That's not a shot across the bow. That's nothing. Just that's a personal adventure, personal uh, journey. Uh, don't stand up for me as much. But then, oh my God, yes, it did. Rolled right into the Kevin J. Anderson Jedi Academy trilogy, and I just at the end of those with a little I, I i read a couple chapters into the courtship of princess leia and the truce at bakura and i was out i never <laughs> read another eu book to this day not read one. i was out what was it that didn't work for you i really wish i could tell you in a non-snarky way i don't 100 percent know um the air of the empire stuff I, I mean, I, I, Zod's a great sci-fi writer. I, uh, Thrawn is a I used to quote some Thrawn stuff. I, I, I can't necessarily, the clone stuff and all that stuff might come to play. Some of it too into um, sci-fi, maybe, but that's not the big reason. I, I just think they're just, it just didn't feel to me, and I'm not talking in a, in a fist pounding on the desk type of way, just it, none of it felt like what was actually happening to me. And that's a, that's a, again, kind of an unfair, maybe bar to set for the creators that are telling these stories. I got nothing against any of these folks that are getting us a wonderful chance to write Star Wars stories. It wasn't that it just was something was, wasn't grabbing me. And then around this time, a little bit later, you know, then, then the prequels come. I just was focused on that stuff, man. It was like, Hey, don't the movies are back. Put your books down, kids. <laughs> the movies are back. <laughs> and then when stuff started to emerge, that George kind of was like, "Ah, that's the books. This is my stuff." I was like, "Yeah, that's right." That I that justified me in a weird way. I'm following George. <laughs> He'll take what he likes. Quinlan Voss and all, you know all those kind of things. I know I knew some of that stuff. Um, you know, if Mara Jade had popped up, and I, I would have been like, "Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's great." But I, I was like, "Yeah, the books are over there. It didn't feel right for me either, and it didn't feel right for George." And I'm following the man with the flannel. Yeah, yeah. No, I can, I can see uh, that path. Uh, I think for me, we had similar paths. Yeah, I was so excited uh, for both the first book and the first comic uh, that really came out. Um, uh, and I remember uh, reading. The, those first intro chapters, uh, really the first chapter uh, to Heir to the Empire. And yeah, having having nothing but my own opinion of like uh, hot chocolate. Yeah, nah, that's a yeah, yeah. that's a real world thing. And I, uh, we, Kenobi can't appear anymore. Like, no, he's he's there forever. Like <laughs> it, it, it I struggled with it from the very beginning while also just loving it and being yeah thrilled that it existed and i really liked mara jade and you know there and i thought thrawn was cool uh and all that but i think over time for me it really was that um my personal uh, science fiction versus space fantasy it's a tone thing it's it's a subjective thing it's you know uh, mm -hmm. entirely uh so i was thrilled by them but i i struggled with them a little bit it was still a little bit for me like when i was a kid it was like cool it's really great to spend some time with these characters i love and meet some new ones i really like like mm -hmm. mar jade but it's not not quite the same as it being on on the screen you know and i remember even yeah. trying to hear the music in my mind <laughs> mm -hmm. as i as i read uh but then as it went on you and and it was very very popular i kept having this bad experience where i would dip in and i would read something i'd love and then i'd try something else and it wouldn't be as successful um i absolutely yeah loved the Han Solo trilogy 
like I hadn't read any in a, in a while and I was like, all right, I'm going to dip in. I'm going to check out this Han Solo trilogy. And I still want to find time to reread it. It is mm-hmm. absolutely great. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely some of the kind of the emotional beats that are in those books you can find in the Solo movie. And it's like, okay, that's so great. I'm going to try this uh, Bounty Hunter trilogy. Bounty Hunters are awesome. And then that one did not work for me as much because uh, my reading at the time is like, Boba Fett was just utterly infallible. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was just like a nice try, Bosk, but uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I'm Boba Sherlock Holmes Fett, and I discovered, you know, eight moves ago that you would do this exactly. I don't remember if that's accurate. That's what I remember, remember feeling at the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I remember I picked up Truce Epicura, and that first chapter was just like, this is so great because it was about stuff I knew. It was, I, re- I still remember that those descriptions of what uh, Luke's bones felt like after mm-hmm. having all that electricity come through him and you know i was entirely engaged in the world i knew and then the book spinned off into worlds and stuff i didn't know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it and i struggled to stay uh with it uh we always want to caveat we know that there are people who listen that that the eu novels that's that is your star wars no disrespect um i really want to make time to revisit heir to the empire and uh and see it uh with new and fresh eyes uh i just bought the kenobi novel which i think was technically the last eu book yeah right uh to come out and and i'm going to revisit that there's there's a lot that i want to uh revisit in the eu but i think i didn't make it past that need for them to move and feel like the movies yeah uh you just made me i want to make clarify in case there's any fact checkers out there uh i did go the darth plagueis novel uh by lucino I, i ended up reading and then um the uh, first of the Darth, Darth Bane series. Uh, so I want to put that out there, number one, just to be honest. But two, I I almost just don't consider it the same thing than the 90s EU, which, by the way, is, I think, part of the big problem for me. And I don't know if this is anything you're feeling, too. What I love about what they at least tried to do starting in 2014 and why I was on board for it, it wasn't just that the canon and the stories spiraled so far out of control and you had layers of canon and this and that. It just, I was like, why wouldn't you want to just clear the decks a little bit as, as much pain as that might cause some fans? And, 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 and I get it. Why not just build fresh and new with everything in that, that, that emotional canon you and I talk about so much here? This, to me, is present in all the new books, and that wasn't present in the old stuff, where the Plagueis novel is really good. I'd love to have a lot of that reworked and find a way to work that in to, to modern canon. I really would. But it, it, it was like reading two different worlds compared to some of the other stuff I read before in the 90s. Yeah, I love the Plagueis novel as well. And I think, you know, we're going to get into uh, the Disney Lucasfilm era of of storytelling on the page. I think a part of the reason that I've been so all in on it is I wish I'd stayed with the EU. And I wish Mm -hmm. in particular that I'd stayed with all of the storytelling about the main characters. And I think maybe if I had read the right novel as you know uh the twins were being born to han and leia and had that experience that i know a lot of people did of you are getting to follow the next generation of this family growing up you know Mm -hmm. and i think by the time you get into you know new jedi order stuff where you've been living with these characters for so long that there is a level of immersion uh Mm -hmm. that i think really really connects people to these stories that i'd never I never got to because I didn't get hooked at the right time with the right book. And a lot of the reasons that I that I want to read the Disney Lucasfilm ones is I want to have that experience that I missed out on. Uh, I think that's very fair. I, and, and and if that's uh, 
looking up, looking at the mirror ourselves. And yeah, I think there's some fair to that. Now I checked in, I'd go through Wikipedia and it just, there's just a lot of the solo twin stuff and everything that I just, I just don't really like, but I think you're right too. At the end of the day, a little FOMO. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then the last thing I want to say on this is the reason that I didn't keep up with the comics, particularly during uh, the prequel era is money. <laughs> I did not have much money in the era of the prequels. And, you know, I knew from, from my young comic book uh, uh, mm-hmm. collection slash addiction that comics are expensive. And I remember just staring at those and pining and going, God, I wish I had the money to collect them, especially as I got into mm-hmm. telling uh, stories of the, uh, of yeah. the prequel era and the Jedi. Like, oh, yeah, so money. Yeah. That's what didn't work for me, not having enough money. Look, I, I moved to L.A. in 98, and there are Golden Apple Comics, a lot of great comic shops, and my roommates would go there, and I would swing through, and I would see, wow, is that is that an Emperor's Royal Guard, but it's like an adventure around here? Oh, that looks kind of cool. I want to eat today. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to pay my rent. I really want to know what Kit Festo is doing in this comic, but I also need to pay my rent. Yeah. Uh, let's move on then into the modern era, Ken. Uh, since the launch of the Disney Lucasfilm publishing, we have read a ton of the books. Uh, obviously, I think they are working for us. And in order to kind of examine why, I wanted to ask us both, challenge us, if we had to pick three novels, not necessarily our favorites, but three novels as a sampler set to convince someone to give the books a try, what three novels would you pick? And then once you let me know what you're going to pick, I want to know what you feel like is the the common thread between those and, and what makes you enjoy them, what makes them a good sample. Sure. So uh, cheating, as, as you and I often do when we rank things here in Star Wars, I'm putting a special vote, The Light of the Jedi. Uh, okay. High Republic. The reason I'm saying special is I don't think, I think if I'm just like, hey, because th- I, I think right now that's my favorite of, of all the new canon books, which is saying a lot because I love a lot of the new canon books. Um, but I almost think that is not in the spirit of your question. Falling okay. here because I feel maybe it's on your list. I'm I'm just putting a Hall of Fame vote. <laughs> but for me, when, you know, and obviously you and I have got this question over the years so on Twitter or sometimes in person. Hey, love your show. I don't read the books. Where should I start? And it's like well, I, eh, it's a tough question. I'll go to these um, four, but it's uh, we got a, a cinema scenes two pack here. Okay, uh, <laughs> I, I do go. Claudia Gray's got the early votes here. I go to Lost Stars. I go to Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Then I I have a can't really choose. It's the Rogue One novel or the, or the Rise of Skywalker novel. Here's mm. why. Lost Stars, even though it's YA, you know, which was back in the day was kind of a hubbub, like, that's eh, a YA book. Should we read this? And it's like, yeah, I think it does a good job of what you and I are talking a lot about here back in the er- other time periods, 80s and 90s, or even now, where it's like, give me some new characters, but it's in a world I love. And in fact, it's the movies I know. And let's play in the shadows and have fun with it. And does every beat work for me in Lost Stars? No. A couple times there's a little bit of what I call the Forrest Gump thing of, and they were there as well. All right. But it's fun. It's a, it's a sweeping romantic Star Wars adventure. And it works so well. And the the, the profound really is, is all through those pages. And I think that's just a great example of, of what you can do with these stories. Leia, Princess of Alderaan takes that, even further to me, which is a character study of a character you thought you knew everything about. And in going 
into Leia's younger life with the microscope and spending more time around her adoptive parents and everything about it, you then get to plug that into the bigger Star Wars story, which is a great a thing I just love about the modern canon era. Take this little tiny thing, this little slice over here, and you're going to see why it emotionally and then sometimes just information-wise connects to the story you've loved for, for me 40-plus years. And that's a great example of that. And the final ones for me, and I'll, I'll kick it back to you here, sir, is, is the Rogue One and the Rise of Skywalker because they're novelizations. I, I want you to see what the bigger picture can maybe do to you as a fan. Maybe you don't love these movies as much as me. Maybe you feel something we don't fully connect. And that was Rogue One for me. At well, the time I read the Rogue One novelization, I was on board with the movie and had the roller coaster of the best movie ever. I didn't like it. Uh, it's somewhere in the middle. That one, and yes, the movie should sometimes, you know, it's fair to say, stand on their own. You shouldn't need a book. I, I, I get those arguments. But Rogue One, just because I'm a Star Wars fan, I don't need to worry about that. I'm a Star Wars fan who takes in all this media. Rogue One novel just added so much to those characters. I came out loving Jin and Cassian then more than I thought I could, more than I thought I did. And then The Rise of Skywalker, a, a movie with a little bit of complications and controversy around it. We understand that. <laughs> I think that movie, I think Ray Carson or that book, Ray Carson does such a great job of just her telling her side of the story, so to speak, but slowing down a big spectacle movie, slowing it down as best she can. And I think she succeeds in just showing you what's going on emotionally in that story. And those are, those are examples of what I think the books, all books during this era do well. Yeah, that is a great sample set. Uh, I think the the call to include the novelizations is a is a great call because yeah, it can it absolutely give a fresh perspective on the movies. Mm-hmm. Rogue One is great. We talked about that a, a lot already, but yeah, Rise of Skywalker has a lot of little passages that really stick with me that uh, really pull the themes out of the film that I enjoy and really create some of those. Uh, connections that you're not going to find anywhere else that you know you're not going to have a moment in the movie where uh leia is reflected on the fact that both she and ray are always are somebody who's always had to deal with the real world and to make real choices and they've never had the luxury of having uh the force or being a jedi be theoretical it's Mm -hmm. like like that one detail right it just sings and the book is full of those details so i i think that's a really smart uh collection um you have made me successfully uh, question my sample set. <laughs> uh, my sample set is Light of the Jedi. That is the first one I led with um, for a couple of reasons. I think that it is it does everything that I think a novel should do. It goes deep into the characters. You, you do know them. Uh, you do feel like you're following a one big story. But it is so cinematic. It, it might be the most successful to me merging of the cinematic adventure serial style of Star Wars while also still having all the depth and also still feeling like a novel. Uh, The other thing for me on that one is talking about FOMO and talking about, you know, the EU, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the whole publishing initiative since 2014 has been great, but it's been a little bit everywhere. And you never know when a certain kind of book is going to come out and what era about what character. Sometimes they're kind of tied to a movie. Sometimes they're just like, hey, we did a book like this. Yeah, because we did. Uh, And I feel like the High Republic, particularly with Light of the Jedi, is this chance to jump in at the beginning of something like following the whole New Jedi Order, right? Uh, It's its own era. The stakes get to be nice and high because you don't know who's going to live and who's going to die. Yoda's probably going to make it. But besides that, (laughs) 
it's wide open. It's the beginning of a new adventure. So that's uh, why I, I put that one high on my list of, uh, of samples. Mm. Um, yeah. Then I'm with you. Uh, I was really torn between Lost Stars and Leia, Princess of Alderaan, but I went Leia, Princess of Alderaan uh, because another thing I was trying to keep in mind is a sample set of like different eras, right? Um, mm -hmm. And Leia, Princess of Alderaan is fascinating because it is obviously very tied to original trilogy, but you meet Holdo, so you got uh, some yeah. ties to the sequel trilogy, uh, but there are ghosts of the uh, of the prequel era that uh, Leia is having to deal with. Um, it is... Yeah, there's so much about it that's great. And if you've thought, I don't know if I ever need a, a Star Wars book, uh, this so feels like a gift to be spending time with with Leia. Totally. Uh, that it's got to be on there. And this is my wild card. That's probably not the greatest idea, but uh, I'm intrigued. Uh, Dark Disciple. Um, wow. It's a very weird and different book. And I think I wanted to pick one to put on my sample set that is, hey, do you like the prequel era? Do you like the Clone Wars uh, in particular, or the animated shows? Um, Dark Disciple is a very different Star Wars book. Um, it is. It lives up to the dark title. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's got a lot of darkness in it, um, and it features characters who are familiar, familiar if you've watched animated shows, not familiar if you haven't if you've just watched the uh, main big screen adventures, uh, but it takes them to such places of depth and deals with such big Star Wars themes that I think that could be the kind of a wild card that made people go, oh, wow, I didn't know Star Wars books could be like this, you know? Yeah. Mm. I like I think ultimately for me, that's what I came down to. Of, okay, what what connects this, uh, this sample set that I, that's maybe not a great sample set? Uh, Light of the Jedi, Leia, Princess oh. of Alderaan, Dark Disciple... They all celebrate known things in Star Wars. Like, yeah. you know, the Jedi are, are you know, Light of the Jedi is all new characters. The High Republic is all new characters, except for, you know, mentions of Yoda in, in the books. Um, but it's Jedi. They got lightsabers. You know, there's a bunch of uh, uh, planets that we recognize. Uh, Leia is one of the main characters of Star Wars. And then, you know, uh, this isn't light spoilers for Dark Disciple. Dark Disciple starts with the Jedi Council debating whether or not they're okay with trying to straight up assassinate Dooku. Right. Yeah. It All three of these books take very known parts of Star Wars and then they immediately add new ideas and make you go, wow, that's really different for Star Wars. You know, you talk a lot about the scene of Leia and Tarkin having that tense dinner scene. Right. There are kind of some scenes like that on screen in Star Wars, but nothing quite like that. Uh, all of these books have a level of romance that we see on screen sometimes, but but some of them go Dark Disciple. <laughs> yeah. they, some heavy romance, you know. Yeah. They, they start with the familiar and they go to places that I think might make some fans of just the movies go, wow, that's really different for Star Wars. No, I think no, no, I think that's a great list. Uh, and I have a good Light, Light of the Jedi is, I mean, I want to reread it again not because I want to reread like the book. I, I like want to put it in like I watch a movie. <laughs> <laughs> like you just want to experience the story again. Yeah. And, and that's almost to me the bummer about even, even the, the comics, I guess you can thumb through them. And I have gone back and read some of the comics, but like, you know, you know like movies, I can just pop it. Like after, when we're done here, I'll have to edit these podcasts. I'm most likely put on Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would do it. I would love to just, and I, yes, I know the audio books and maybe I'll have to take a, a deep dive to uh, audible uh, with that one. But 
Light of the Jedi is so damn good because it is a great entry point into a lot of things in film, but it's brand new and it's so it's it reads like a movie. So I, I think your list is great. Dark Disciple, Wild Card indeed. But I think I think it's an underrated one. It was also back in the or the early days of uh, you know, it's like I love Lords of the Sith too, but Paul S. Kemp, and you don't mm-hmm. hear that one discussed as much. Uh, so, and I, I, I really do want Christy Golden to get another big swing. Uh, and I do, cause I like her stuff. I like the, um, battlefront two novel too. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I should say. So yeah. Uh, great list, man. Great list. Yeah. I mean, when, when a prequel to a video game is a really moving book, that's a great author. And in, and in, in a way that, I mean, I was, Oh great. We're going to have a lot of pew, pew, pew. And, and, and there's some of it, but it, it's different and it's not. And I love what that book does. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go through the same exercise then uh, for comics. Uh, and this could be whole runs or arcs, however you want to do it. Uh, but if we had to pick uh, three stories, you know, either miniseries or story arcs uh, as a sampler set, what would they be? And, and what's what's makes them sing for you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went to Shattered Empire. Uh, what is that? Four issue little mini arc there. Little mini mm-hmm. miniseries. Uh, all, all Souls, Souls Vader run, which is the second vader main main line or vader comic on all of them what is that 25 issues you can read that in an afternoon come on kids uh <laughs> then i i i i almost went the canaan comic i gotta say i do love the canaan comic and i know i i don't mean to sound you know blase about um bad batch kind of reworking that i i love that particular moment in the canaan comic and i love what the comic goes on to do but that was also par- probably why i was okay with what happened in the bad batch the Canon comic is so just good and more than just that one order 66 part for me. It goes way beyond that. And I just love where it went. But I, I instead of putting that one, I, I went with the Poe Dameron one. Mm. Just mm. because it, it really answers some questions. And I feel I, I, all of these, the common thread is I feel like I'm learning more about star Wars and that feels fun. And I felt that I was learning more about Poe and that time period and not just with facts, but the emotions behind it all and who Poe was, and it's great stuff, some of my favorite Leia stuff, and also just crazy Star Wars adventure. He's breaking Gracchus out of prison, or fighting egg monsters, and all this kind of thing. Tarek's, I really like Tarek's. I think it's an underrated character in the in the new canon. Uh, the former Stormtrooper turned First Order, uh, um, uh, you know, a guy kind of haunting Poe. I, I, it, it's a real fun adventure. Yeah, and, and that issue where uh, you realize that you've been listening to some narrators for a while and you're shocked to figure out who the narrators are. Uh, oh, don't want to spoil it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Poe, the Poe comic, I think, is the only time where I felt compelled to take notes on something we didn't actually review. But I just, like, mm. I want to write down, you know, these moments and these connections and uh, remember them. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure for me, Ken, yeah. uh, on both the comics and the books, so many great authors. But for the books, I had a very hard time not making it just the Claudia Gray set. And for the comics, I had a very hard time not making it just the Charles Soule set. I, it's, with good reason. Good reason. They're both great writers, and I think they both do what what we clearly gravitate toward, which is take known Star Wars and, and put some fascinating new insights and spins on it. Um, yeah. But, so for myself, for the comic set, uh, I did include a Rise of Kylo Ren uh, by Charles Sewell and art by uh, Will Sliney. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think is um, it's kind of this weird outlier of this just four issue arc that gives so much great insight and clarity to the character of Kylo Ren to kind of the the state of uh, Luke's Jedi Order. Get to see Luke in his prime. It is 
probably if somebody was just like, I just want, I don't have much time. I want to read one book or one comic. And I like Star Wars. I like all the movies. I like the sequels. I, I'd absolutely be Rise of Kylo Ren. Uh, yeah. It feels yeah. so important to Star mm-hmm. Wars canon. Yeah. Um, quick note. I, I don't want to step on your list here. Um, I love that one. It's a great choice. And sometimes I see that debated a little bit or people don't like as much, which as we always say is fair. One of the reasons I think it does elicit that response is, is there's a lot of expectations on that story and what that might be, especially the Luke stuff. And this doesn't necessarily answer to those, you know, doesn't follow your expectations. It's, it's, it's a, it's its own story. And so therefore I, I initially had this, I'm like, do I like this? At the end of the day, I think, I think it does what you talked about here. It just, it really dives in. It's a, it's a character study of, of these two characters in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And just a ton of great kind of canon things that I can't shake. Mm. And I don't mean like details. I just mean like, you know, images, connections, ideas, you know. Uh, And then also I had as well Shattered Empire by Greg Rucka and uh, multiple artists there. Shattered Empire is really it it was one of the first out of the gate. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's people should not sleep on that one. There's Mm. a ton of great stuff going on there. Um, There's connections to obviously uh, Poe's parents and just a great kind of snapshot of, of maybe who right in the moments after Endor who are Han, Leia, and Luke going to be? The idea yeah. that Luke's like, great, yeah, I'm not mopping up a bunch of bad guys. I'm immediately going to preserve the things that are unique and special to the Force, you know? Yep. And I'm right away on that mission. Um, Leia going to Naboo and, and feeling the presence of Maul. Just utterly classic stuff in Shattered Empire. Yeah, Shadow, Shadow Empire, I, I, I put it on, on mine just because it's like, it's, it's again, it's all the things. All, it's an all-star cast of characters, the ones you love. But it's some new things and it really sets, you said it well, but it's, it's emotionally setting the tone going forward, which is why I think I love this era a little bit more than this. Again, not this, the, the era of the Empire stuff is great. We can analyze it, but just I ended up liking this idea about Luke or just the time period or the we need to reestablish the government in a different way than the story was told when it, back in the 90s. It was just kind of a. Uh, not lather, rinse, repeat in a totally bad way, but just like picking up the ball and running in the same direction where the, I think Shattered Empire it succeeds by going, hey, all these things are at play. And there's let's answer some of the bigger emotional questions that are still lingering. Yeah, yeah. Very, very well said. Uh, and then uh, my my last one is another wild card. <laughs> and now I realize it, it matches my other wild card. Uh, but it is uh, Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir uh, by Ooh. Jeremy Barlow and Awan Frigiri. Uh, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the very strange one that was an adaptation of unmade Clone Wars episodes. I believe Dark Horse published it. And then it was the mm-hmm. one Dark Horse thing that was brought in as like, yo, that one stinks in its canon because it's from yep. Clone Wars and has since been reprinted, um, yep. I believe, uh, under the the you know main Marvel banner. Um, mm. But this is one that just shows so much kind of important canon. If, if you are... Uh, somebody who's followed the Clone Wars or if you're someone uh, maybe who just followed Rebels or you've watched just the movies, but you're really intrigued by all these Sith. You know, the idea that there's this comic where uh, Palpatine Sidious really comes to reckon with Maul and you find out he wants something from him and Maul has to face off against Dooku and Grievous and just like, (laughs) you know, Mm. and it's all tied up in criminal organizations and Mandalorians. It's just, it's so very deeply Star Wars. There's so much going on. And if you care at all about Maul, really important part of his story. Yeah. I, I remember one point I went back and uh, not maybe about two years ago and, and, and just was like, I need to, 
as I think it was because of the rebel stuff. It was like Gar Saxon, that kind of stuff. It was like, I need to make sure I go back and read this comic series. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that the big thing that connects uh, all the comics that in my little sampler set is that uh, there's just very cool canon connections more like, wow, I didn't know that happened. I didn't, I didn't know that you could, uh, that there's a story where you can see Luke in his prime. You know, I didn't know that there's a scene where Leia flies in, in N1 (laughs) starship, you know, I didn't know that you got to see Maul face off with Dooku, you know, uh, all this stuff that's like, really exciting uh canon stories that you can find in the comics uh totally yeah love it great choice excellent so while we definitely worked through some of the things that challenged us we're also trying to uh celebrate the stuff that we love uh one more look at the things that challenge us uh can i want to start a wrap up here by asking ultimately when you are challenged how do you reconcile stories that don't work for you? You aren't ranting and raving. You aren't uh, mm-hmm. raising money to put up billboards, uh, no space vampires in Star Wars. Uh, how well, do you do that? How do you uh, be okay with stuff that you are challenged by? Well, you you just need to go east on Sunset, and you'll see that. <laughs> it's over by the uh, KTLA 5 studios. Now, um, I reconcile this way. I keep going. I just I just not not move on in a way but just celebrate what I do love from it or don't dwell on it. Um, we didn't talk about it a lot, but I think one of the greatest things of the Marvel comics of this era is uh, giving us the character of Afro, Dr. Afro. I love, I love Jelly Afro. I love Santa Staros. I love a lot of what's going on. I, I still sometimes feel a lot of the stories that they have for Afro fall short of the glory of the character. They don't hit for me. Now I know Afro hits uh, different ways for a lot of people, but I love this character. So uh, there is a great example for me where I'm like, you know what? I, I personally am still waiting for the ultimate Afro adventure that I think is still out there. There's already been some great stories that people love, but I love this character. And I just, I, I'm going to leave those ones on the shelf and I'm going to keep reading each Afro issue until, uh, until I, I get a story I like, but celebrate the character because I love the character. And I love that is great. There. And that's what I do best with uh, even some of the books. Not so much. I, I, I pretty much generally been all happy with the books. The Thrawn ones challenge me the most, but there again, too, it's on my shelf. It's part of the story. I will learn from it. What I feel I need to learn for the bigger star Wars story. Then I just don't dwell on it. And I move on because the next star Wars story is a world of potential. That, that is a very good thing to celebrate in our current era of like, if you were not happy with that uh, Star Wars story, particularly in books and comics, well, wait three microseconds. <laughs> yeah. And there'll be more than you can ever read and all these old stories to go back and, uh, and revisit, right? The EU yeah. is still there. It's still yeah. on bookshelves still there. In, in many places, in many ways. Um, yeah, I think for me, and this has kind of come up a lot as there has been some things on screen that are different interpretations of things that are on the page and in books and comics is uh, a lot of my love of Star Wars, as I've said on this particular episode is it's a myth about something that happened a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And I really do like looking at, um, all of these stories, uh, are legends and some of them are written down by the most trustworthy scholars <laughs> yeah. Yeah. who who take themselves out of it and and really try to get to the truth of what that person really felt and you know sometimes maybe uh, these myths are are told by people who uh, really look at it from from this filter from this point of view or mm-hmm. sometimes these are these are myths where uh, the writers have really filled in gaps and they know this event happened 
they know Luke and Han had some weird interaction (laughs) with some sort of a maybe vampiric thing. Uh, But the exact details, who knows? Who knows? And I find like that for me just makes me enjoy the flavor of Star Wars that that I like. And it also makes me not obsess over any that didn't happen. It's just like, well, maybe it happened. Maybe it happened in a slightly different way. I don't know. And maybe if somebody really enjoys uh, that interpretation of the legend, that's great. I get to be really happy for them. And then I don't need to stress about, yeah. uh, maybe it happened that way. Maybe it happened in a different way. Uh, they're all stories and we can enjoy them. Yeah. It's great. It's a great way to look at it. It's hard. Yeah. It's not always hard. It's not always hard. I mean, are we yeah. it's not, it, it's, it's not always hard, but sometimes it's not, not, not always easy. Uh, yeah. The, the screaming Citadel stuff. Yeah. I had a, you know, put that into the, uh, bag and board seal it up and decide if I ever wanted to put it pull it down off the shelf again and who knows maybe we'll be doing this podcast years from now and we will uh, review screen yeah. Citadel and go you know what we actually love this uh, this is the fourth set it's the 20th anniversary of the screaming <laughs> Citadel I'm kidding you never know you never know but what I do know is at some point if we keep doing this podcast long enough we will hear from somebody who like screaming Citadel was you know my uh, aunt bought it for me when I was five it's the first thing I ever read that is Star Wars to me and that I think is one of the powerful things about Star Wars is any story could Mm -hmm. be somebody's introduction to Star Wars and help frame for them what Star Wars is yeah what is the best Star Wars it's your Star Wars. That's the best Star Wars. There you go. That's, you know, maybe we'll make a t-shirt of that and CFT public takes it out. Uh, <laughs> final question, uh, Ken, if you could appear as a background character in a book or comic, uh, obviously with a Star Wars name, uh, where would you want to be and, and what would you want to be doing in your your uh, Star Wars on the page cameo? Yeah, it's great. The, the on the page is a very specific uh, way to ask this question. So I'm going comic almost to challenge myself. And what I would be is I'd be a character that appears over several different series set after the the fall of the empire, so early New Republic era, and up to whenever it could you could carry me up to uh, up to Force Awakens era as well. But I want to be a tourist character that is obsessed with the events because I'm kind of a nostalgia based guy, anyways, right? You know, baseball trivia and all the da 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 da. I knew all that stuff. Pointless. Pointless thing. Like you, you name someone a celebrity from the '90s. I'll tell you three people they dated. Why do I know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So I want to take that and apply it to Star Wars. Following the events of the Galactic Civil War, I'm like a tourist who takes star tours around to go land on places, and then I get I either get involved in the story or I get kicked out. Like so, like Chirpa's kicking me out of Bright Tree Village. Uh, I go to Naboo. They're in the middle of Operation Cinder. You, who are you? You got to get out of here. I just and I, I just pop up randomly, almost in the background, just a tour. Nice, right? nice. Now I know that you and I both love it. Also, when characters in the background yell things, uh, mm-hmm. do you want to yell out questions or clarifications or opinions? I'm. I will. Uh, yes, I'll yell out. Just yell. Do you know what happened here? <laughs> over and over. Do you know what happened here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Because nice. I, because I, you know, I, you know, I was for a while I was the security director at the farmers market, Third and Fairfax, LA. It's been there. The property's been there since eighteen sixties, and and you're I'm supposed to know a lot of the history. So I just yesterday was telling my uh, fiance's dad because he was we were talking about history in LA, and he picked up a book. It's like farmers market. So I used to work there, uh, and he goes, yeah, and I go, James Dean had his final breakfast there. I'm full <laughs> of that stupid stuff. So that'd be me in the Star Wars universe. Do you know what that happened? Depars. 
Uh, well, Dupars wasn't there yet, but yes, at the farmers market, he 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 had a. There was they do believe as 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 well documented as they could be. That's his, he had a breakfast there, got in his car, and drove up up the coast, up almost almost to where I used to live, where I grew up in the little inland from the central coast, but up there. And that was uh, that's the that's the story. Look, see, Star Wars can take us anywhere. Here we are discussing Star Wars on the page, and now we're talking about James Dean's final breakfast. That's go. great. So maybe that's my line. That's the story. Yeah, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> and then Low Gray said that, I know, I'm chirping. Get out of here. I love it. I love it. Uh, I think I'd want to be in a in a comic book as well. I have the the great honor of my friend, comic book artist uh, Christopher Jones, uh, put me in a Doctor Who comic uh, where I am murdered by the master. Nice. Uh, I don't know if it's changed, but uh, for the Doctor Who uh, online dictionary for a while, it was the picture of me uh, for the the device that the master uses uh, to murder me. Uh, it was a picture of me being murdered by the master <laughs> for a long time. And a great honor. A great love honor. Love uh, this is the weird character that that I don't want to be, Ken. I love your, your surprise, knowledgeable tourist. Um, mm. I love the idea that does pop up in places in Star Wars that there, there are many ways to serve the Jedi. That, you know, some Jedi do train and they become, you know, knights and masters who go about the galaxy solving problems. Uh, but there are many roles to be fulfilled at the temple. I'd be fine if this was in a High Republic comic or uh, something uh, set more in the prequel era. Uh, but I would want to just appear in the background as a, as a Jedi who trained but didn't quite make it out into the galaxy. And I am a bartender. I am a Jedi bartender. <laughs> <laughs> There's a nice uh, little lounge in the Jedi temple where uh, people can take meals. Jedi can take meals. They can have drinks. Uh, there's nothing against adult drinks no. and uh, maybe visiting, you know, dignitaries or, you know, politicians or people with a problem. Maybe the Jedi take them into the, uh, the temple bar every once in a while. And, and I'm just back there uh, rinsing out uh, space martini glasses. I love this. Just telling tales. <laughs> Listen to the stories. Yeah, you and know. then and then your character can go on a tour of the Jedi Temple, and we can sit there having a chat. Hey, you know what happened here? Obi Wan. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I do. I do. I was right here. Yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> Quinlan Voskim. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could basically just do a podcast. Yeah, basically. basically. <laughs> Any final thoughts on Star Wars on the page? Uh, no. Hey, this is a great conversation. I love doing these ones every now and then here in Force Center, where we just kind of. Uh, roll around with what we think and and we we we're so positive and we love celebrating star wars but you know a lot of that a lot of times we get to that point we don't just come out of the theater or close the book and go greatest thing ever we really take our time and, and we really think about it here in force center we really are careful uh, and, and it's very specific in what we put out and so sometimes i just love to come in here and be like hey there's yes i even said it all not for me, but let me try to find out what I can take from this experience that I celebrate. And, and I love doing that, showing my work and doing a little bit raw uh, out in the open here. With all you four center fans. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, same for me, uh, you know, working through some of the things that uh, I get challenged by and try to understand why. So I don't just be grumpy, but go like, oh, wow, I have that preference and it's fine to have a preference. And, you know, hopefully on an episode like this, we can really celebrate uh, the things that we love and, and if people haven't checked them out, suggest that people uh, check them out. Yeah. Uh, but then also uh, by talking about the things that we're challenged by or maybe don't w work for us as much, I also just like to celebrate the subjective. As long as we're not angry about it, it's great to say this works for me, this doesn't work for me, 
and why? Because then we understand ourselves better, we understand other people better, and it doesn't have to be a big angry thing, right? It can just yeah. be, oh, that one doesn't work for me as, as much, but now I understand why. And now the person we're talking to can maybe help us understand why it's awesome to them. And I think that's a, a great thing to celebrate as well, to just celebrate subjectivity in Star Wars and subjectivity just being okay. Yeah, that's, there's a t-shirt. Don't take it down, Uncle Bob. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Who owns Star Wars is not subjective. <laughs> and Disney is reminding people of that on T Public, which is totally understandable. Uh, Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? I absolutely would. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on Instagram and uh, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We're available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Uh, merch is available. For now, at tpublic.com slash user slash forcer. <laughs> we have uh, several shirts up there. But, yes, lately there's been a uh, big uh, big sweep of, uh, you know, hey, those are our images. Why are they on your shirt for sale? Uh, which we we understand. We understand. We head to tpublic.com slash user slash forcecenter to get some uh, forcecenter merch. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash forcecenter. You can find me at Cadnapsock on Twitter and Instagram, among other spots. And you can go to my website, catnapsock.com, to find out more things I do, including uh, hang out with the fine folks uh, over at the GPA, uh, the Good People Association at the GPA.fun. Joseph, for you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all under the handle at Joseph Scrimshaw. And if you want to check out some of my other comedy adventures, uh, comedy albums, shows, all that kind of stuff, you can go to my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Uh, but for now, for myself, for Ken, for a strange tourist space Ken and Jedi bartender Joseph, this has been Four Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 